I'm a talkative person because I'm an SE dom. It's like my only world is the physical. My words are the only means of me getting out my meaning and intention. We'll see if I eat those words. She'll be entertaining others all the time. This is exactly where I wanted to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I not dare to this bump on a podcast with people can hear me. You guys ready to go? Yeah, Kate. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Literally No Subtext podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking about creativity, which is a topic that is very close to my heart. And I have a very special guest here today. It is Michelle. You guys might know her as Heart of Mishi. This is fun. She's already doing a little dance. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to like sing over you because that's not just rude. (laughs) We're both so excited. (laughs) Please go ahead and sing (laughs) whatever comes to mind. How are you, Michelle? I am great. Thank you for asking. I've had a wonderful day. I got to walk to the coffee shop and it was nice and cool finally Ooh. for the first time. So it's it a nice, oh, nice. Day. Yeah, cool. What's the weather over there? It, yeah, it's like late summer. So we're getting a lot of like rolling thunderstorms. So it's like back and forth hot and wet. So it's just yeah. really humid and rainy I love how <laughs> off camera we were talking for like 20 minutes about like deep topics and like we jumped onto the like, actual oh, episode the and I'm like how's the weather <laughs> no I started it it was me so guys um Michelle is uh, a fellow YouTuber and content creator and creative herself she has a YouTube channel called psychology and chill with Mishi and an Instagram woo-woo. page called heart of Mishi yeah woo-woo. <laughs> Creativity is a subject that I've been wanting to talk about on the podcast for a while because I've learned a lot about it since I've been doing it more full time with YouTube and following Mishi on Instagram and engaging with her in my DMs and um, and watching her content on YouTube. I've just felt this sort of kindred spirit with you being like, I understand, (laughs) like you'll post you'll post something about writing or uh creating and I'm like I get you I get what you're getting at I feel like we need to talk about this I was like I don't trust myself to 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 come up with enough profound thoughts if I do an episode by myself so gonna be getting her on well thank you for having me I'm excited this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart (laughs) yeah yeah I'm glad so jumping straight in I guess uh well after we've discussed the weather (laughs) so I feel like You've had a bit of a journey with your creativity. You've been doing YouTube for how many years now? Well, um, it depends on how you count it. I actually have been doing some recollection. And the first YouTube video I attempted to make was in 2010. No, 2011. Um, But I was too scared to post it. And then the first real video I posted was about Trump. uh, And it was in 2015. So great timing for a Trump video, by the way. Mm-hmm. It got like 2,000 views right off the bat. Oh, great. Very toxic comments. I was like, this is not for me. Oh, yeah. Um, so I took a break. And then um, then I moved. And after I moved, I, that's when I really started. So probably like um, the beginning of 2017 is really like when I started posting. Or maybe mm. the end of 2016. Sometime in that range. Mm. No, I think it was 2016. What was your initial reason for starting YouTube what Mm. what was it about your soul or your heart that made you want to get something out there well I thought like it would be really great if I could make money doing something that I actually enjoyed doing rather than working at you know a restaurant I was working at a restaurant at the time and I'm like 
I hate this. <laughs> Not that I hated it, but it felt like um, like almost like a waste of time. Like I have a lot more that I can bring to the plate than you're like creating my an artistic plate. spirit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, it actually started out not even being MBTI content. It was mostly writing content, actually. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And a yeah, because that's one of your passions, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're actually, you're actually writing a book at the moment. Isn't that right? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay, I'm like, can I bring that up? <laughs> you absolutely may bring that up. Uh, it is one of my greatest passions in this life right now. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, actually, I came up with the idea of the book just before I started making YouTube videos. And one of my first videos was a vlog writing the first book and doing this thing called NaNoWriMo, where you try to write a book in a month. And it was the Ooh. first year I succeeded, and I caught that all on camera and everything. And I was oh, wow. very inspired, yeah. All because I, I felt a little existential, and I wrote a monologue <laughs> about how I would re- redo the world if I had all the power in, me, in the world. Oh, wow, cool. Did the and deadline then, help you? The deadline absolutely helped, yeah. And uh, the reason why I started I probably posting on YouTube at that point is because I was watching a lot of writing content too. So I was watching mostly INFJ writers talk about their process for how they prepared their stories so that they could write the whole thing. And I was like, you prepare before National Novel yeah. What is this? <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, I prepared that year and I succeeded. And then I realized, you know, preparation is success in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and it's helped me become a lot of a better writer by learning from INFJ writers. Yeah, wow. Oh, preparation yeah. is a huge topic because I feel like, yeah, it absolutely has its place at the same time. The I feel like the greatest things I've created have been on an absolute whim of just that creativity yep. hits. And you know, you 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 hear of so many artists who do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of the amount of artists I know who wrote their best songs overnight. You know, because that sergeage of creativity hits. Exactly. Have you ever seen um Tick Tick Boom? Please tell me how. No. Wait, maybe. <gasps> I Scott. Um. Oh, you'd remember it if you've Let seen it. Let me Google it's, it. It's about Jonathan Larson who wrote the musical Rent. And about his process oh, of creating it. I definitely haven't seen it. Oh, you have to watch it. He's about to, it's about his journey. He's about to turn 30 and he's a uh-huh. he's a waiter and he's writing oh, this wow. musical and he's been slaving over this music. I actually think he was an ENFP and the character oh. is definitely an ENFP. He's been slaving <laughs> over writing this musical for eight years and it's about the creative the creative journey and how when he's pushed to create a song just out of nothing he finds it so hard when uninspired to actually just get anything down and he procrastinates for weeks and he can't get this final song out and then there's this sequence I don't want to spoil it I I don't want to spoil it I'm like it touches on creativity so well but I don't want to spoil it but there's this Uh, sequence that basically touches on that exact feeling of being a creative and you're uninspired one minute and then suddenly something just takes your soul and you create and you create quickly and it's Mm -hmm. just some of the best work you've done yeah I call those like epiphany moments yeah right which I think being a creative for work is something that you sort of have to compromise on a little bit because in in this society we are encouraged, especially with YouTube, to like push out for the algorithm, etc. 
But oh, there's this part of you that's like, but I don't want to push out for the algorithm because my artistic integrity. Yes. And I think, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm going to yeah. throw it, throw that out to you in a moment. I'm like, I'm like already on a rant about this. So I'll hold my train of thought there and I'll just throw that over to you because I've noticed that with your channel, there was a point, you know, where you were creating consistently and then you released a video about a year ago where you were sort of saying, you know, I've got all this audience for the MBTI niche, but it's not where my heart is. So I need to sort of change things up. And so I feel like I saw on your channel that change, that moment where you were like, it's not the niche that I have passion for. It's creating that I have passion for. Right. And the niche sort of like in this world, I feel like we're encouraged to have a niche, but I feel like as an artist, you should be the niche, you know? Right. And so many artists are discouraged because they feel like they need that niche. Anyway, so thoughts on that? Yeah, um, this is a very fascinating subject to me. And well, like one of my first YouTube videos, like I was saying, they were about writing. And then um, I was on like, I was watching a live video with Pukoki. I don't know if you guys remember her. She was an INFJ. Yep. She did a bunch of content. Now she's on TikTok. Yep. She does plenty of videos over there, but not so much on YouTube. But at the time she had like encouraged me. She's like, don't think about it, just post it. And that was when I posted my first like, MBTI related video because up until then I had just done like the writing vlogs and like just like little silly things like I would do little skits that I had come up with and she encouraged me to put the more like thoughtful stuff out there and I had done that and actually for the first like six months or so uh, my videos were all over the place in terms of topic I would go to like some kind of I had like philosophical Fridays where I'd have some guests on the channel and we'd talk about like these really like big picture ideas and just like extrapolate on certain ideas and just like go on for a bunch of hours just like talking um mm -hmm. and then I would have like MBTI related things and then I'd have skits and I had all like a whole variety of things and I actually put off making any INTJ content for a long time knowing that it would get me a bunch of views and then mm -hmm. I made the what makes INTJs awesome video after doing a bunch of sensors first so I had done ISTJ <laughs> ISFP a I did a bunch of sensors first. They had Get like the a few views. Out of the way. No, yeah. but I, I did that because I felt like they deserved more attention than the INTJs who had like a million yeah. videos on them. But mm. I put that video out and very quickly I got like 10,000 views. Um, wow. And when you have a channel of under a thousand followers, like 10,000 views, it's like an overwhelming amount. Actually, you get a lot of feedback um, mm -hmm. and a lot of like encouragement to make that style a video and I knew mm -hmm. that that would happen but I was like I was desperate for those views you know I was just like you tired were like of I being have tasted under a thousand. success yeah <laughs> yeah I was tired yeah. of being under a thousand subs and I was like all right I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna concede to the gods out there and just create the content that the algorithm wants um, yep. and it was very successful but I I mean I just like kind of had a consistent like my videos would get three to four hundred views when I post it and then sometimes I'd have videos I had like quite a bit and then I made the quarantine survival tier video and that one got to like 50,000 views really mm -hmm. really quickly like it felt like overnight I don't know how fast it actually was but it was like I'd only posted one video since and it already had 3,000 views it just like it was made at the right time I guess like it just like yeah. really took oh, off for sure. mm -hmm. um and then that's like all people wanted from my channel was more MBTI related more like you know funny stuff and I wanted to like feed into the algorithm. And then I also, there's like an ESTJ YouTuber that I follow. Love <laughs> Ironically, it. thanks they're an INFJ. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. 
I mean, yeah, definitely. He's an emotional dude. You can tell, like, he cares about people. Uh, but that, that is shady my it. friend. You just name it. You're like, yep, an ESTJ YouTuber. No, 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 ESTJ. Yeah. No, definitely an ESTJ. And his advice constantly is consistency. Consistency wins the algorithm. Consistency, consistency. And he will consist... Like, he, at that time that I posted the quarantine video, he was posting one video a day for five days every day. And I think at one point he was doing seven videos a week. He was just pumping out video wow. after video after video. Because he's an ESTJ. And for him, like, it's just like, he loves these topics. He's really passionate about them. He knows a lot of information about them. He's just able to pump out these videos. He gets a structure down. He can, like, keep recreating it. Because... Mm. It's just like in their nature. And like he would just push like the reason I'm successful is because I consistently put out videos. He's like, you know, you can either make it big by having like a viral video or you can be consistent. And so I took that like really, really heavily to heart because I saw him Uh. so successful. And I'm like, you Mm. know what? That is right. You do get you gained a lot of followers from the time you went from posting two videos a week to five videos a week to seven Mm. videos. Like he gained a lot in that period just by being Mm -hmm. consistently available for people to watch. And I do see that um, actually a lot of ESTJ YouTubers consistently post daily. um, And I can see why that's like their, that's their resolve. That's like their method to success is just have consistent content. I mean, it must be nice to have uh, child any, I'm just saying, (laughs) and having lead TE, like it would just be, you could set aside your like personal desires which would be just so helpful um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but once I learned that from him I started trying to put three videos out a week and I would try to structure it so it was like different topics to keep myself involved and it just like ended up being like a lot of work and really overwhelming and like a lot of the videos were not paying off in views and only Mm -hmm. some of them were and you're like and that hurts when you put your like you Uh put your heart into it you put your soul into it (laughs) Yeah. I'm doing and grand then, hand gestures, everybody. Put your exactly. <laughs> And then like being confined to one topic when, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like definitely a passion of mine, but it's not my only passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was getting a lot of positive feedback from the BookTube community at that time. So I had like started a second channel. Yeah. So the BookTube community was giving me that kind of like comment community, the engagement the like discussion, the like extroverted outlet that I was needing at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But I split myself between the two channels and was trying to be consistent on both channels. And I quickly burnt out. And then, yeah, yeah, just then I was only posting on the main channel. And there were some things that gave me the FIIC like you were talking about. Um, Just little things that gave me the FIIC that I would post or not post and um, mm-hmm. the kind of decisions I was making just like were not, I was not happy with them. Yeah. Um, and then it slowed down to where I was only posting like once a week. And then it just like, it stopped at one point. Cause I was like, I just, I need to think about what I want. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That uh, FI don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It doesn't let you do something you don't want to do. hundred <laughs> percent. I can't tell you the amount of times I've started Because I'm like, I totally relate to everything you've said, obviously, about the consistency and the uploading and all that. And I have looked at different YouTubers to try and get uh, advice about that. But everyone's so different. That's the thing. Different things work for different people. But yeah, the amount of times I've like started a script that I feel like 
I got to just release something extra this week, or I've got to release something better this week, or I've got to release start for next week or the week after's video. Oh, the amount of times I've tried to get ahead of my video schedule. All I did was have way too much uh, footage and an overwhelming pile of stuff to edit. And it, nope, it doesn't work. Well, for me, even if I get ahead, even if I create a few really, what I think are really good videos that I'm happy with for the next like two weeks. And I'm like, great, I'm two weeks ahead. I'm going to remain two weeks ahead going forward. <laughs> but being it being an EP, it's like, yo, motivation does not come until that deadline is like right in front of you. The yes. amount of times I've tried and I just can't. Anyway, but yeah, so I'll start a project or I'll start a script or I'll even like film something and then just not release it because I'm like the F.I. Ick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what we mean by the F.I. Ick is that you've produced something or said something or acted in a way that contradicts who you believe you truly are. You're like, oh, but that wasn't my most authentic self. And I was speaking to um, a YouTube manager recently reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of saying like, if you want to get more successful, we had a meeting. He's like, if you want to get more successful, more subscribers, you've got to release you know, he didn't say you've got to. He's like, obviously, you know, whatever works for you. But if you'd like to get more subscribers, it'd be good to release more footage. And I literally said to him, I was like, but my artistic integrity. And he's like, look, I understand. <laughs> but also, mm, you, you, do you want to play the algorithm or not? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I figured the way to go forward with that is is to still release good stuff that, that makes me happy, but just shorter videos. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's this whole thing of like, oh, you know, you want to release so that you can continue to get... Because people, you know, people are so fickle. They have phases in what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll have a really fervent pool of subscribers who three months later won't even be viewing your channel. So the reality is if you want to keep going with YouTube, you have to keep the new audience coming in, right? Right. So I'm just, I'm so mindful of all of the tangents that we've already touched on. (laughs) And like all these points that we haven't finished and my NI is like, go back to the point, go back, unpin that pin. (laughs) And my NI is like, wait, um, it's not all the same topic. (laughs) I'm like no but 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 I really wanted to nuance that point a little bit more anyway I just I'm just letting it go I'm just it. letting it go where it goes but yeah so that struggle of staying true to yourself but then also if you want to be successful in this world that's so about content and so much content is being released released all the time you kind of have to play to it a little bit and so I've become much better at that, at that since since starting YouTube. It was a real struggle the first year for me, that whole battle, mm-hmm. especially because just releasing the skits where the skits can be so stereotypy, you know, and mm-hmm. if you don't have enough time that week to write a script where you're bringing each nuance to the, st- like nuance to each right. of the types, you then release a very stereotypy video that people could take wrong. And then am I doing, you know, justice to the types and am I doing well for the community yes. in the long term? <laughs> like I started just like losing. I was just like, I can't, like my morals. I'm like, is this the right <laughs> way to go? <laughs> I'm like, you're That laughing. feeling feel right there relate. is so it's it's the worst part because you just want to make sure that you're upholding your standards that you have mm-hmm. created off of mm-hmm. your own understanding of what people should get out of MBTI and, oh, and how 100%. valuable the stereotypes are mm-hmm. and trying to get people to step away from those like ISTJs are just stuck in Excel kind of like stereotypes. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, but then like when you're in a pinch, you have to rely on the stereotypes Mm -hmm. yeah that's true how I ended up sort of like I'm much better at like the balance now and Mm -hmm. I've I've kind of actually since starting the podcast I felt a lot better because I feel like we can Mm. get 
a, a bit deeper into the real important topics and just managing my time a bit better, creating good boundaries in terms of like work and life and all that. But mm. yeah, it's this real, this real struggle of, you know, as creatives, we should be able to not create for a month, not release for a month and then release something really good that we've put that is actually inspired and you know uh inspires people and feels good and right to us with our heart and our soul this is such fi speak (laughs) but the world the world just does not that's not how it works and so i can Mm -hmm. see that you have have felt that with your channel and like the direction your channel's gone in and everything but you know i notice now you're not posting as many videos um but you do have one that's just come out (laughs) Oh, yes. yeah, that's right. It has yes. already been released. Yes. Yes. yes, it has. At the point of this episode oh. when it comes out. <laughs> so can you tell us about the video that, that you've just released? Well, um, despite my whole I'm giving up on MBTI, I do realize that that is um, the best way that I can get views. And what I eventually want from YouTube is an income so that I can explore my creative outlets better and not mm-hmm. spend, you know, 45 to 50 hours a week at a managerial job at a consult- contact center and just mm-hmm. spending my life in this pointless cycle of life. That, that's all I want to break free of. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm making a MBTI related video, but it's fine. I talked to Eric mm-hmm. Wen. He helped me come up with a plan. So we're in Oh, isn't place. Eric Wen just the best? <laughs> he's the best. Oh, yes. he's so good. The amount of times he sat down and chatted with me about the direction of my channel. The other day he sat with me on the phone for like half an hour troubleshooting when I lost a project. Oh, oh. he's just the best. Shout out to <laughs> he Eric He is Wen. great. Yeah, he helped me. Uh, he let me data dump, which was the most beautiful thing. He didn't judge oh, nice. me for anything. He made me like fully explain all my data dump and then help me oh, uh, cut that. the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we have landed on is the video that's coming out. Well, he didn't give me this video idea, but the general gist of the video. But I'm going to be ranking the 16 types surviving the upside down world, specifically from Stranger Things. Um, so that is out now you mean for you, you guys. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're going to be ranking? You mean you have already ranked? Yes, I have already ranked. (laughs) You can now watch it. You can pause this and watch it. But don't pause this. Finish watching. I mean, finish listening here first. Yeah, no, don't do that. (laughs) Exactly. We're going to get onto some real meaty stuff here. At this point, we don't know what it is, but we we trust that we'll get there. (laughs) Exactly. Trust the process. So, So there's, you've touched on something that's really interesting, the whole thing of okay, well, I want to stay true to my artistic spirit, but I also want, I also want to be able to actually make money from this and be successful mm-hmm. in this. So I do have to appease the algorithm and I do have to discipline myself to release X amount of videos. I've certainly found that in my content creation, how I found more fulfillment this year, this year has been so much better for me. Mm. Last year, I really went through a lot with it and that wrestle and like boundaries and all that. But I feel like I'm doing well this year. And a, a way that I've found it works for me is I kind of release two for them one for me it's kind Mm. of like you release two videos that you know you you do spend time on because you care about the channel you care about so you know I'll, i'll i'll do my best to bring nuance to them as i can but i kind of have just let myself be like okay you know the stereotypes everyone understands i've given enough steer uh i've given enough disclaimers on my channel it's okay to release these shorter snappier videos that touch on some nuance that get people through the door of mbti because i have a lot of content on my channel that 
brings more of the nuance right Mm -hmm. and then every third or so video I'll be releasing something that I've put more of my heart into the longer videos Mm -hmm. the interaction style videos and then I've also got my um my like my five days content where once a month I talk about something that's important to me which I started this year that has absolutely made me feel like on top of the world in terms of okay I'm doing something important now (laughs) even though those don't get as many views but those Mm -hmm. are much more high stakes and they feel really important to me so it's kind of like this this balance of appeasing the algorithm and accepting that if you do want to be successful and make something your work the way the world works is you have to kind of I don't want to use the word sell out but I feel like you get what I mean so yeah on that you you have to, and Eric Wen put this to me a really good way the other day, is he said it's not that people don't want the different content, it's that they get confused by it um, because they join your channel for a specific type of content that they've gotten from that video that they watched. Whatever their first video is, that gives them the impression of your entire channel. So mm-hmm. like for you, for instance, say someone, they just see one of your 16 types videos, like one of the skits, that is what they now expect from your channel. Um, so any deviation from that is going to be confusing to them mm-hmm. because they're expecting a certain type of content. Like, for example, yeah. I, I watch this one channel. She does a bunch of like Reddit reacts videos, but every once in a while she'll do a different one. And those don't get anywhere near as many views. Mm-hmm. It's because people are wanting that specific type of content. And that's why they come to her channel And the other stuff, they might not even recognize that it's her in the video because they're used to, you know, the way the thumbnails look, the way that everything's structured and stuff, that the deviations just like, they're not going to draw them in the same way because everyone Mm -hmm. has their like niche. Like you were saying, people are really fickle and they're, and they're, um, the things that they're interested in will change a lot. I mean, I can attest to that. If you look at my YouTube history, I binge certain topics (laughs) and then I move on to a new topic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then you never visit that topic and again. And I don't come back because no. I'm like, okay, I learned enough. All right, moving on. Yeah, yeah. I do that. Thi- I do that sometimes, very, very infrequently. But then I'll do that and I'll get really interested, and then I'll forget everything I learned about that. Topic. Oh no. <laughs> Ti trickster, hello. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that was something I dove into one time, and I remember the impression and the feeling of being mm. convinced about it, but I don't remember the details. <laughs> couldn't recite it to you but I remember being convinced <laughs> I remember the feeling it gave me and I can tell you that I believe it and so yes. therefore you should look into it and you will believe it too because yeah if, if I believe it you'll believe you'll be convinced <laughs> and then me. the person I'm talking to some NT and they're like what <laughs> like, um no this doesn't make any sense no like, that's not how it one thousand percent does <laughs> it does it's, it I feels promise. right to me yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The I, the NTPs in my life keep me level. They keep me they keep me humble, you know? Mm-hmm. They make sure mm-hmm. that I don't stray too far off the beaten path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how this is just at this point it's like an FI podcast. This is just oh, another yeah. FI podcast. <laughs> I love it though. It's so good. <laughs> well, it's our flavor of creativity, you know? Our mm-hmm. our creativity is very tied to our personal drive and our personal motivation. And without yeah. that, it's really difficult to be creative. And like you said, like you can sit there and try to force yourself to be ahead. Um, even if you're excited, you're more excited about the idea of being ahead than actually being ahead and doing yep. the work. Because it's like you want to be ahead because you want that safety of being yeah, ahead. So yeah. if you forget a week, you're fine. And then yeah. you're like, okay, well, I can get away with skipping a week because I'm ahead a week. And it's just <laughs> like yeah, these little like... <laughs> yeah. I've got a 
video for next week already. I could basically have a break this week. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So I feel like the thing with that is in finding time to create, I found that for actually creating stuff in the first year of YouTube, I was very much trying, like I was starting to shut off my social life, my personal Mm. life. I was like, no, I haven't written a script for this week. I can't hang out with you. Or, Mm -hmm. or, Or if I just, if I just stay home tonight, I'll write another script and then I'll feel great. But then you're not inspired. So the script doesn't come out. Right. And so I was kind of like putting a lot of, of my life on hold at that point. Yeah. Uh, but then this year I've really, really worked hard on creating that work-life balance and making sure on weekends I switch off as much as possible. And mm. in actually having a life, a social life, going out, experiencing the world, uh, that's the full human experience, right? So all right. of my emotional range comes back and then I'll suddenly see something that inspires me and then, bam, creativity is like flowing. Do you find that as well? Uh, Absolutely. Um, When I was in a creative writing class, actually one of the forced assignments we had was to take notes on people out in the wild. So like we have to observe people and take notes. And that notebook, when I was in creative writing class, my notebook was full of poems. It was full of little short stories. It was full of observations of random people. I was more attentive to the people around or attentive. I always try to add an extra syllable. I was more (laughs) attentive (laughs) to people around me. Um, And I was getting really good fuel for my writing especially like working from home which i do you just like you're so walled off from Mm -hmm. new experiences that you are stagnant and you're like kind of repeating the same things Mm -hmm. or things that you've seen vicariously through the internet through a video um and that's not exactly the same as observing the real life interactions like at a party like you can't recreate the awkward pause when a family member asks the wrong question to somebody yeah. in the room like you can't recreate that mentally mm-hmm. without seeing it and having that like fresh trauma of an uncomfortable family <laughs> situation a hundred percent yeah i'm with you but also like kind of contradictory contradictory to that like so writing is an area that I think I can talk more easily about creativity with because I've been so focused on it the last year instead of YouTube um, I have written a lot and some things yeah, I didn't even I've noticed yeah like my grandma and I we wrote basically a whole novel's worth of writing to each other in like a few weeks of just emailing each other we oh we wrote a lot And it inspired me to do a lot of writing on the side. Um, I've just written a lot. And one thing that it is, is like when you do something consistently, even if you don't have the motivation to sit there for four hours, if you make a consistent time to do it, then the creativity hits more frequently because it's no longer a hurdle to get over, like getting into the zone. So like I set up Mm. little like triggers and stuff. Like there's a certain playlist that I do for each work that I'm working on and when I start that I am not allowed to look at distractions until the timer is over oh I love that even if I get nothing done for the 25 minutes I'm not allowed Mm -hmm. to do other things um and I'm forced to like focus my effort on whatever I'm working on I might work on a different project than what I had originally thought I was going to work on because I ended up Mm -hmm. not having any motivation for it um and that might even just mean journaling my thoughts and just like Mm -hmm. data dumping what's going on in my mind but I do more frequently have surges of inspiration where I'll just like write like 2000 words in a very short period of time, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think like 
if you can equate that. I would say like for most people, an average like 20 minutes of writing, you'd get about 300 words. So 2,000 words is, is a significant bump from like... Absolutely. Yeah. I can attest to that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah I, I, I sat down and wrote a thesis for the end of my master's and it was 16,000 words. And I actually relate a lot to oh, wow. what you said. Yeah, like it was hard for me. Oh, it was hard. But yeah, I relate a lot, lot to what you said. Yeah. yeah, and it was academic writing yeah. as well, which I actually didn't hate. It didn't involve that much creativity, um, mm-hmm. but it certainly was a project. And I totally relate to that idea. I had this app called Forest where like, mm. If, if you don't look at it for an yeah, hour, you get a, tree. a tree grows. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I need that tree. <laughs> and that was really helpful. And one thing I found with creativity, I know we talk about like, you know, as an artist, you should just create whenever you feel like creating. And that's kind of true in an ideal world. That would be the case where we would just always be inspired and we'd create whenever we could and we'd make money from it at any point, right? But that's not the reality of the world we live in and we are humans. And there is a a level of self-mastery that needs to happen and self-discipline that needs Mm -hmm. to happen in cooperation with that. And I found that when you actually sit down and make the time to tick a few boxes, even when I'm uninspired and and I sit down and I'm like, I have no script ideas, I don't feel like editing... But I like answer emails or mm-hmm. I, you know, write down some script ideas or I kind of like organize my desktop, which looks like I, trash. I <laughs> am scared to see your desktop, honestly. I'm yeah, actually genuinely yeah. scared. Oh, look, fair. Um, both my any dom siblings have seen my desktop and they were like, what? It's terrible. Uh, the amount of times I've almost posted it on my Instagram just to show people that I'm like, no, I can't. Dude, I want to see actually, though, if you want to just like send me a screenshot just so that I can experience it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Maybe I could do it right now. I- and then have your authentic reaction. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like we're doing this. This is trust. This is trust. <laughs> it's actually, I mean, I like, is it so bad? I don't think it's so bad. I recently sort of cleared it up. Anyway. Oh. Okay. You'll notice that in the top right here, I'm sending this on Instagram to you okay. right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what is on this desktop that you're now going to get access to in my life, but you'll notice <laughs> in the top. I love how you're like looking at your screen, trying to like check everything. Like, I am. Am I'm I like, okay with someone here? seeing this? <laughs> yes. It's not well, that it, bad. No judgment. I, I won't. Like... I won't say any of the titles out loud, I promise you. Oh, yeah, no, nice. So it's not that bad, but you can see at the top, if you notice in the top right. Oh, my there God. Is... <laughs> it's not that bad, guys. No, it's not at oh, all. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you see that I've got some folders there. Uh-huh. Like I've got some folders because I, I have see to, some I, folders. I do tutoring. So like I have okay. to have that organized and I do have some scripts and stuff. But if you notice in the top right hand corner, yeah, that is just, just a like whole 20 bunch. things on top of each other. You can't yeah, even read the title wild. on top. No, you can't. See, <laughs> anyway. and that's okay. So I work on a Mac computer and I you do my personal stuff on a Windows PC. And the one thing that I prefer the Windows OS for towards the Mac OS is the fact that you cannot overlap your desktop items oh, on a windows computer that would be where, good for me and it snaps so it snaps in a clear line so there's like a grid that your apps can go into or your files and so they cannot go outside of that grid so oh, i love that in a mac it's nice because then you can like you know you can move things around you can have them grouped in like little clusters but at the mm-hmm. same time you could end up with this with like 30 things on top <laughs> of each other in one <laughs> corner 
it's oh, like goodness. it's like one of those pictures when you zoom in and then it's like another world and then you zoom in closer and it's another world that's what yeah. the corner of your desktop reminds oh, me oh yeah yeah that's true <laughs> and i thought it was just a p thing but like so many P's have seen this and been like, no, 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 this is bad. No, I think it's just you personally don't seem to care too much if it's organized and you can no. function like this. So it yeah. works for you. It doesn't need categorization for me. I honestly, this, this genuinely works for me. Yeah, because um, you see it and then you can be reminded of it and it's like right in front of your face. So nothing's hidden. Yeah, but look, the amount of times that I've actually gone to search for a particular thing on my desktop and I'm like, darn it, why didn't I just name it what it actually was instead of G35739? Like, <laughs> Dude, that moment when you create an organization like, system. <laughs> And uh, you can't even find things in your own organization system. It's, like, it's do you see that item? I don't know if you've still got the photo up, but there's the item. If, if you were to section off the slow kind of into rows, the bottom row in the middle of the screen, it's like a video and it's just named a whole bunch of like, oh characters. my God. <laughs> what did you just like smash your hand onto the keyboard and just let I it did. sit there? I was just like, I need to save this. I can't think of a name. <laughs> Anyway, I've had lots of regrets for that. So that's <laughs> back to back to what I was saying. Unpinning oh the NI gosh. pin. That, so that's intense. Yeah. intense. The idea the idea of self mastery, like even mm. just sitting down and organizing those things, or get, replying to emails, or putting titles on some some video projects, or you know sectioning them off into Instagram content, things like that. That does they don't involve as much creativity, mm. like more admin stuff, right? I found that when you sit down and you get those kind of tasks done, you then start to feel like maybe it's the TE, but you mm -hmm. start to feel like I can do things like I'm good. And then even if you do just that for the day, at the end of the day, one thing that you have, you may not have created a project, but one thing you have is self-respect. And mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. when you respect yourself, that makes such a difference. Right. Have you found that? Oh, absolutely. And I think that there is like um, science behind that as well. Um, so I watch a lot of ADHD content because I'm ADHD. Um, and something that people with ADHD struggle with is that like feeling of having finished a project. Like that is like ultimately what we're after. They, people say it's like all about the dopamine, but it's not actually that. It's like that feeling of like finishing a project. There's like a, I think it's norepinephrine, but I, I can't remember the exact neurotransmitter it is, but it's one of those that it gets activated when you do those kinds of tasks and when you accomplish something you get that like feeling of like I can do this and even like if I write a to-do list and I mm -hmm. put in smaller pieces what is on my to-do list instead of yeah. like clean the kitchen clean the living room clean mm -hmm. the sink clean the dishes do put away mm -hmm. whatever and like break it down into smaller bits I mm -hmm. feel more accomplished because I've checked more things off the box yeah. even though it's ultimately the same thing. Yeah. I feel more accomplished. And I think that that's definitely a huge part of that. But also, like, kind of clearing the space. Because, like, as they say, I mean, the, the quote is, like, a cluttered mind is a... Or a cluttered desk is a cluttered mind. And although I don't fully agree with all of that sentiment, what I have noticed, specifically, like, living with my boyfriend, who's very organized. And mm -hmm. he gets anxious if it's not organized. So like keeping it clean is like a value. Like we have to make sure that it's clean. Well, that's clearing up mental space 
from that task, which was kind of lording over you. Like, I got to yeah. clean the dishes. Even if you're not consciously thinking of it, it's still yep. like kind of lording over you in the back of your mind, in your subconscious. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those floating tasks in your head um, mm-hmm. that you're like, I need to remember to do this. So it's just like constantly in there, even if you're not like consciously aware of it. And doing yeah. these things to like clear it out is also really effective. 100%. I totally relate to that. Obviously not with when it comes to desktops, like <laughs> on, on my computer. Hey, but if it in- works for you, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not hurting anyone. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally agree. And I find that one way that I've actually, you know, I can guarantee that there'll be more likelihood of having a good creative day is if I have checked off stuff in the morning, mm-hmm. even just waking up waking up like it felt good to wake up at seven this morning Mm. and I'll wake up mostly between eight and nine um same you know (laughs) yeah good time to wake up and then you know you know cleaning you know having a good breakfast and you feel like you've already sort of like even just cleaning making your bed cleaning up the dishes or whatever from the night before and then just sitting at your desk with a coffee and like I can do this you know I did things yesterday I can do things today it'll be a Mm -hmm. good day and you know you're just starting with that self-respect like I'm I'm smashing this and not expecting like I'm going to create some masterpiece today but just understanding that it's a journey right right I also want to mention I'm laughing because we've been talking for 40 almost 45 minutes and I mentally this is still the introduction (laughs) (laughs) I love it I, I have Tim asked me, he was like, how long do you think you guys are going to talk? I'm like, <laughs> there's no way of knowing. We're both extroverts, so <laughs> I can't, literally can't promise like, anything. In my head, I'm like, oh, I'm still getting to the introduction point where I'm going to be like, sorry, the structure of this podcast today is we're just going to have a little bit of a chat and then, <laughs> and then we'll get onto your questions. <laughs> but on that note, we did actually get some good questions from you guys. Wait. Michelle, did you have any any more thoughts about what we were just talking about before we move on to some questions? Um, I'm distracted enough from what we were talking about that I have lost. <laughs> I'm good. Love it. Okay, <laughs> nice. So you guys asked us some questions on Instagram. We got a good amount of questions. We had some overlaps. Um, I've jotted some f- a few down here. Hopefully, we'll get to as many as we possibly can. But we're already at 45 minutes. <laughs> we're going to deal with some creative creativity-specific questions. We may have already actually touched on a lot of these. And then we're going to get into some MBTI-specific questions at the end because I know that's why a lot of you clicked on this podcast we will be getting to that so with that being said we might dive into the first question which is how do you define creativity and this person said good question because everyone answers differently that's such a ti question how do you define <laughs> that word can, can like, we like, you clarify your <laughs> yeah. what's funny is like I never understood what it was but now I realize it's like um it's the polar TI, but like defining words never made sense to me. I'm like, mm. they mean this. It's like an obvious meaning, but why are we trying to break it down into smaller words? Like yeah. it exists for a reason, mm-hmm. um, but I'll do my best to attempt yeah. to explain it. Google says it's the use of imagination or original <laughs> I ideas. I was about to say, so we could just both Google it. <laughs> I Google everything. When someone's like, what's the definition? I'm like, well, let's look up Oxford, shall we? 100%. It says that it's the use of imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of artistic work. Though mm-hmm. I don't consider it necessarily related to artistic work. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the use of imagination and creating original ideas, which I'm just going to say right now, I have very strong opinions of it not being related to type, but that can be a conversation for later. But I mm-hmm. would say it's like, I mean, it's like creating, but the ability to create something that's like unique 
and new to something that already existed or like adapting something that already exists in a new way. Just like basically making a new thing, like an original thing. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, we know like there's nothing original under the sun, right? The stuff we create has probably been thought about uh, before by someone. But I think one thing that I do not like about the modern culture where everyone's connected on Instagram and TikTok is it is extremely uninspiring to jump online and see that someone is doing your creative passion better than you. Mm-hmm. And I think before we had that at our fingertips, it was like, we all live in this cute, wholesome community, like back in the day where like your gift was very specific and the only gift of that kind in its community, right? So it was valued. You, it was probably much easier to be re- respected. This is just a FI feeling. I have no doubt yeah. about this. <laughs> <laughs> but if, you ju- if you're inspired and then you jump, like if you are inspired to sew something and then you jump online and you see that like there's a thousand people sewing better than you, that's very uninspiring, right? Mm. It can be a creativity killer. But yes, it's about realizing, yeah, I'm probably not, like someone's probably thought about this themselves, but the point is that creativity is no less valuable because of that. The point is that you are, you are using your own imagination to bring something into the world. Right. That is your baby. It's your thing. You know, you can exactly. be proud of it. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Very hard to define though. It is. Yeah, I'm not sure I love the, de- I mean, I can see based on this definition, especially with relation to artistic work, why people might relate it to type. But then I just think back of that uh, experiment you did where you just had a bunch of people share their artwork. Mm -hmm. And it was people of all different types. And like, you could hardly draw a connection between type and art. Like there was almost none. There was almost no no correlation between the two based on the data. Um, The ISTPs, INTPs, they're drawn anime characters just like the NFPs. Now you might question the reason behind and their goal behind that might share yeah. a little bit about their type, but mm-hmm. the actual work of like doing something creative, mm-hmm. I don't think is a hundred percent. And I'm so with you. And I'm like my ISTJ housemate. Who, well, she's not anymore, but she lived with me. So a lot of people would be like ISTJs. You wouldn't expect them to create, be creative, right? The amount of times I'd be stumped for an idea, and I'd just go into a room and I'm like, "Can you just sort of bounce ideas with me for a script?" And she'd mm-hmm. just like come up with these awesome, funny jokes, and I was like. Thank you. And I saw I saw her use her creativity in her teaching. My ESTJ brother, like he's so creative. He writes his own blog and what he comes up with and the words that he uses when he's writing. I'm like, oh, I could never have thought of this. And mm-hmm. we can all be creative, right? Which actually, the, the, the next question that we got was, being creative and creating something, are they the same? That's a really great question. That's actually mm. a really interesting distinction to try to make. I'm not sure that creativity is exclusive to creating something. I think that it is. Yeah, because you might just be creating something. Yeah, you might be creating something based on parameters or tools that you've been given and you've been told to uh, make a ring as a jeweler, right? And you've Mm -hmm. not put any imagination into that. You're very, it's very clear. Yeah, you're just making an old wedding band. Yeah, (laughs) I don't claim to understand the journey of a jeweler. (laughs) The journey of a jeweler. Sorry if I've grossly underestimated it. Um, (laughs) But I said that because I have a jeweler friend and we were talking about it recently, but it'd be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Creativity has a lot to do with the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can be creative without creating anything. And I think that is ultimately probably one of the ENFP's weaknesses is Mm. that we oftentimes are creative but don't actually 
create anything because mm. we have too many like that one there was one skit that i was just watching the other day you did like the 16 types as friends and the enfp yep. is like oh my god we could totally do this oh my god we could totally do this and then the friend's like yep. stop and i'm like this is so real though because we do i mean we have the ideas that was actual footage of me and my sister i love it <laughs> From when we were I young. wondered if it would because yeah. I remember one interview you were like I hated how my sister would come up with plans and then we'd never do it and it always really hurt me and I I just oh, felt yeah. really bad thinking about all the plans oh, that no. I had made with people and didn't follow through <laughs> yeah and in that exact script I think the character who's opposite the ENFP says okay I'm gonna need you to stop hurting me yes exactly <laughs> that line was beautiful yeah Jenna, my ENFP sister, <laughs> shout out to her. She's got so much better at this and she definitely understands. And you know what? It's beautiful. And I understand that ENFPs do fully have the intention to execute the idea when mm, they're talking sure. about it. It is really real. In the same way that FE doms, when they're complimenting people, it's a genuine compliment, right? It's a real moment for them. You know, it doesn't make it any less real just because there's no follow through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this comes with, you know, learning and understanding your type. Next question. Is everyone creative? I think everyone has the capacity to be creative. I think that you have to believe that you can be creative in order to yeah. be creative. And the only thing that holds back anyone from being creative is their mindset. Yeah, it's so much to do with psychology. I noticed a huge difference even when I, um, well, first of all, I stopped creating videos when I didn't have a whole lot of subscribers subbing. And there's only nine mm. months, nine months later, and I had 30 subscribers at the time, then suddenly it skyrocketed. And knowing that I actually was creating something that was having an effect on people really inspired me. And then when I took the jump last year and got the Patreon and I had people actually willing to financially support me and every month still do, the amount of inspiration and motivation I get from that because the amount of belief I have in myself, which just mm -hmm. speaks to our need for relationship and community, right? But like those people and the YouTube audience, like love you guys. You guys have helped me to make me realize that make me believe that I can be creative myself mm -hmm. and it's changed everything like I'm yeah. a very I would consider myself a very creative person now yeah. and mm -hmm. your videos are hilarious oh thank <laughs> and you and you're not using any to make that well I mean maybe you are <laughs> if you're like referencing an any using friend yeah. potentially <laughs> well I think I think I'm quite fortunate in that um my creativity uh I guess fulfillment comes less from like Myers-Briggs is obviously one of the things I love. And mm -hmm. as you were saying, for you, it was hard to stick to the one topic in order to nurture those creative juices and keep them flowing. But for me, my creative fulfillment comes from the script writing and like mm. the acting. So mm -hmm. that is always relevant. Like if I was to, I guess, pursue a career outside of what I'm doing now, it pro I'd probably want to dabble in script writing. And again, I didn't know it was something I loved so much until YouTube. So mm. I'm very fortunate and blessed in that. Um, but yeah, having those creative opportunities just helps you to realize like all the gifts you've got, the individual gifts that you've got. And it's just, ah. Okay, next question. Where does creativity start? Well, I don't think there's one answer to that. Where does it start? Uh, inspiration? I feel Where like a lot of what- inspiration come from? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of what we've, yeah, a lot of what we've talked about probably, like allowing yeah. yourself, first of all, the space to be inspired. Being healthy mm -hmm. in all different elements of- your life the amount of times I'm like 
I, I throw a yeah. question out to you and I just end up end up on an FI rant. Uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> while you're saying that, I'm just like thinking about the origins of one of the greatest anime of all time, which is Neon Genesis Evangelion. And mm. I never say that right, so don't hate me, anyone who's obsessed with anime. <laughs> uh, but the writer wrote it when he was at the peak of his depression and feeling like no hope for humanity. And wow. that's when he wrote it. And it actually helped him get out of it. Wow, I love that. So I don't, I, I think it can all, I mean, like it all just really is going to be in, individualized, I think. 100%. But I think if the most likely possibility of activating creativity is to do all the things you just said. Yeah. Because you, you need to create a space for it. If you don't have space for it, it's going to be much less likely to come mm-hmm. about. For sure, for sure. Um, and allow yourself to go through the process Oh, like understand right. that creativity naturally is going to have days where you don't feel creative and others right. when you do. And I think, I think a lot of maybe NFPs would relate to this, this idea of suddenly being inspired, but not actually actualizing it into a project mm-hmm. or anything. Maybe even just, yeah, coming with that self-discipline, that self-mastery of sitting down, getting out the pen and paper, putting something down. Yeah. Um, for me personally, just for any, I don't know, ESFPs listening, with my scripts, I can find that I'm inspired because I've seen an interaction between two people and I'm like, oh, mm. that could be a script idea. Or I think of a concept, I make it happen. But I'm very rarely inspired in like a deep emotional way. Like a lot of, oh. I do feel deeply, but my way of expressing that is just by going out and living life in my own way. So <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. So I'm not actually writing down a lot of the stuff or putting it into a tangible project but when I get like sad like I went through a breakup last year and I churned out so much poetry so much poetry (laughs) dude the NIFI poetry is just (laughs) oh and it went deep it was dark it was deep and I love that I can now like I couldn't I couldn't sit down and write a poem now if I tried and I have tried but but the emotion made it come out and I look back at that and I'm like that was like that was me being creative at the time that was that was my journey at the time and Mm -hmm. I love it and I've been tempted to go back and edit it but I'm like no it was exactly reflective of what I was going through at the time and it was beautiful for its own reason so kind of like when those when that inspiration comes even if you're going through something that's hard just sort of sit down brainstorm let something flow out of you I don't know is mm-hmm. that good advice who knows whatever works for you <laughs> try it <laughs> you know, such a p whatever works for you I don't know you do it. exactly <laughs> how has creativity helped you hmm I think uh, the surge of inspiration is my favorite feeling ever. Like, I don't think there's a feeling I like more than the surge of inspiration. Um, So I feel like at all times I'm kind of chasing that feeling. I'm chasing that like aha moment where everything kind of comes together and I find the perfect way to solve all the problems um, or to, or the perfect maybe like plot twist to throw into my story or like, at work, I mean, I feel I feel creative surges a lot at work, which is probably why, even though, you know, my job is boring or whatever, I still really enjoy it because I get to have, like, these creative surges where I'm like, oh, my God, I just oh, came good. up with the best idea. And then I can actually accomplish it because people are relying on me to do so. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I would say I love yeah, that. that's, that's the best part about creativity for me. I mean, the outcome is nice, but I think I like yeah. that feeling more. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, this is spoken like a true FI. <laughs> no, no outcome feeling. Um, 
Yeah. Do you have you found that it's helped your mental health? Express like embracing that creativity. I can't say because my mental health is not always related to my creativity. Mm. Um, Because mm. like sometimes my mental health can hinder my creativity. It can make mm. me less creative. But like the creative surges are kind of it's kind of like having a piece of candy. Like it just it feels really good. It's really mm. satisfying, delicious, perfect. Mm. But you know, it doesn't last forever. It's going to disappear eventually. True, true. In terms of identity and who you are, has it helped you solidify your sense of identity in being able to express your creativity, writing your book? We're getting deep here. Well, I'd say like I always was like on the artistic side. Like I've always had artistic desire but I never felt like that good at mm. art because like, I mean, even before the internet, there were plenty of people for me to compare to because I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none kind of person, which means mm. I can be at like a seven, but never usually much above that. <laughs> right. So there's always people who are better because they've dedicated yeah. to the one mm. thing. Um, but I have always enjoyed creativity and it's been an important part of my life that I have some kind of, creative artistic outlet yeah does that answer the question yeah for sure okay for sure <laughs> for me it's definitely helped in the sense that um I would consider myself kind of like a, a bit of a quirky slash weird like people in my circles kind of know me as like I'm a bit strange but in like a, uh-huh. a love in a lovable way guys I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm always doing like weird extreme body mm. movements I'm quite a theater child kind of person and um I like to make jokes a lot anyway. So there wasn't necessarily an outlet for that that was fully accepted Mm. before. It was sort of something I always felt like I had to keep in a little bit. And ever Uh since, one thing that Frank James said in one of his podcasts about creativity was he said, stop caring, like stop caring as much and just release Mm. it, which is something that you've touched on already in the episode. And I feel like there was a certain point with YouTube where I was holding back. And then after I released a little bit more of who I actually was into my Mm -hmm. videos, people actually responded really well and seemed to love it more because they were like, this is authentic, you know? Yeah. And it's different. I think people are drawn to authenticity. Sorry. Oh, for sure. Oh, no. All good. All good. Please. (laughs) We are are EPs. It's fine. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So... Yeah, I think it's definitely helped my identity. And I think that's a good, it's a good, not identity. I wouldn't say identity. I take that back, classic. But uh, <laughs> but it has helped me in accepting and loving myself, definitely. Right. And having that Being outlet. Being self-confident. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just, yeah. I think art, good art, like the best art, arguably. I'm saying all these definitive claims that I'm like, eh. ah. <laughs> the TIs and the audience are going to be like, the best. <laughs> um, yeah, like some of the best art is when people kind of let go and stop caring and just produce, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So just make whatever makes sense to them and mm-hmm. they enjoy it. The more authentic someone is, the more I enjoy watching it. Because like when I can tell that someone's not being themselves, I feel it. You know, yeah. you can... There's just like oh, a vibe. Sure. When, yeah. That's why I think that's why like FE people used to always bother me because mm. I felt like they weren't being authentic. And it's not that they're being authentic. It's just that they gen. I mean, an FE Dom genuinely just like is not paying attention to it all. They're like mm-hmm. personal preference. Yeah. For the sake yeah. of the group. Like they yeah. just don't. They just like completely ignore it. And like that's not something they're very like in tune with. 
But before you know that about an FE Dom, and you're an FI Ox who's just like, everyone has strong feelings about everything and they just need to be <laughs> honest about those feelings because when you yeah. hide it, I can tell. Yes. Um, and then an FE Dom comes over and is like, hey, how are you? Tell me all about MBTI. And then they like kind of glaze over and you're like, yes. <laughs> and well, you're like, you oh my gosh, someone who me. loves me. Yeah, legit. <laughs> oh my goodness. So much. What downtime activity gives you the most new creative ideas? Boredom. <laughs> really? Yeah. I have wow. learned through time that boredom is the most powerful tool, um, at, at least for me. So for example, when Tim and I moved to Pacific Northwest, we, we were like in this town called Battleground, Washington. Um, wow. And we were living off this like gravel road in the middle of farmlands, like the next door neighbors had a cow and a rooster. Um, <laughs> the guy was living on like a literal mile worth of land like he was just on a huge plot of land um Mm. and the internet out there was atrocious to non-existent there was just i mean they had satellite internet and it was just like and it's cloudy all the time in washington satellite internet does not work when it's cloudy all the time Mm. the the it just doesn't work and we're Um, back on the weather yeah, and we're back on the weather. <laughs> but um, yeah, dur- I, I lived there three months, and during that three months period of time, I wrote more songs and drew more like pastel art than I did for the oh, next three that. years. Wow, I love that. Yeah, just by being bored. I didn't have internet. I had to. I had nothing to keep myself busy except to be creative. Oh, that'll do it. No internet. Yeah. How good. The amount of times yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go no internet today. Or I'm going to go, you know, to like a, a log cabin in the Blue Mountains just for a little bit <laughs> and have no internet. It hasn't actually happened that many times yeah. that I've thought that. But like, I never do it is is the end of that yeah. story. Yeah. It's hard. It's, I just it's know. not an easy thing to do. They, I mean, no. it's like you just turn on your computer. It's connected to the internet. You're mm-hmm. like, want to look up something random. You just pull up your phone. Like, I mean, it's it's really hard to disconnect now. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you just turned off your internet service and didn't pay it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something I do want to try. I do want to try. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll challenge. Ooh. Maybe I'll challenge people on Instagram to do that with me. One yeah, day. I was like, if if you do a challenge, I'll do it with you. If I, if yeah. it's like the camaraderie, it's like the competition too. Like, okay. oh my gosh, I love that because I love doing it with the with the art project, the art project one. Uh-huh. I, I gave everyone a week notice. I was like, I'm gonna ask you for art in a week, and people actually created art in that time on that that on that prompting, and mm-hmm. it felt like this sense of togetherness, and I mm-hmm. loved it. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'd love to do more stuff like this. So maybe I'll, I'll have to think about that and be like, okay. On this day, we're all going to go internet free and see what happens and then share our experiences. Then it'll mean it'll mean that I have to read a lot of paragraphs afterwards. But it'll be worth it. <laughs> Especially from those INPs. Yes! 100%. They're so cute. Oh, yeah. Love it. It's such a question for me, the downtime activity. It's kind of boredom, but not because I found in lockdown that I was bored a lot of the time, but Mm. I was dramatically uninspired because I had no variety in my sense data. Mm. So for me, it's like um, if if I go for a walk. So every day I'll go for, I'll try to go for at least a 40 minute walk. And Mm -hmm. I've just moved to a new town. So I actually don't know the streets here. So it's like I go out and I'm like, I'm turning this way today and I don't know what I'm going to come up. Like I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to find. And so that's always really inspiring for me to, Mm -hmm. to go have some variety in my sense data. So these were two questions that were similar. How do you create when you don't feel creative? 
And how do you overcome blocks in creativity? I feel like they're the same. Yeah. Um, I think that you gave like a really good piece of advice for that, which is like, just do some admin work. Just like put your mind on that, even if you're not actually doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like for me, um, art is one of the things I like doing. I like drawing and I don't always have inspiration for it because I don't feel like I'm good enough to continue to have inspiration because, you know, the comparison problem. Um, Mm -hmm. But one thing that helps is if I'll just like throw up some figure drawings and set a timer for them and just like try to draw as much of the figure as I can in the Mm -hmm. time frame given and then I'm just doing it I'm working on the skill but I'm not like being creative but I'm improving my skill because I think one of the biggest things that holds me back creatively is when I feel like it's not good enough Mm -hmm. that is like one of the biggest killers of my motivation so like writing drawing anything like if it's Mm -hmm. not good enough I don't feel motivated um and working on that skill even if you know you're not making any beautiful artwork that day or just making some figure sketches of some naked people for a couple of minutes. I mean, yep. you still develop the skill. You have more skill now than you had the day before. Yeah, I love that. That's good advice. Also, just not putting so much pressure on yourself to create in those moments mm-hmm. and realize that art isn't something that should be churned out every day or should no. be churned out every week. Every artist has a different journey. Every creator has a different journey with that. And that's totally fine and back yourself and know that I will create something that is me and is good and there will be an audience for that. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Do you ever struggle with connecting your worth to what you create? Oh yeah. I mean, I like sometimes I feel like it's all dog crap. Um, <laughs> I just feel like it's terrible or um, I'll be like working on my book and just like feeling like I'm making like nothing is really coming together and these scenes are stupid and Mm -hmm. you know these characters are not doing what I want them to do they're like fighting back against my pre-planned uh outline of what would need to happen yeah um but then sometimes I'll like read through my old stuff or like go through my old notebooks or my old like art books and just look at the good ones that I've created like sometimes I surprise myself with my writing I'll Mm reread it and I'm like dang I wrote that? No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, dang, I drew that? Man. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Absolutely. just like reminding yourself is a really good motivator. Yeah. Or what, what was sure. the question? I feel like I was answering a question that was not. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you ever struggle to connect your worth? Ah, uh, yeah. I also have a whole bunch of dead scripts that I have just chilling in one of those folders. Yes, there are yeah. folders. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just dead scripts that I know I'm never going to come back to. But you're right. Sometimes you go back and look and then that'll give you a new idea. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I promise you, no artist in the history of time has ever just created solid bangers every time they sit down to create. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dead dead art is important. Oh, yeah. Um, A really good trend that's on um, TikTok and Instagram is where artists will show their actual sketchbooks. Like they will show like they'll go through the sketchbook and you'll see they make some bangers right like there are some great pieces of art in their art sketchbooks but then there are some really ugly disgusting things in there where it's just a mess and yeah and they don't show that because they don't feel proud of it but it's yep. there and that's part of the process mm-hmm. of like you know doing something creative like you have to you're gonna get some ugly stuff out there mm-hmm. you just can't be demotivated by how mm-hmm. ugly it is I love that. I love that that's a trend. I haven't seen it, but I, yeah, I really love that. I've had some of my artist friends show me who I think they're very good 
and they're the kind of friends you look at and you're like oh goodness I have no hope mm-hmm. in ever being that good but then yeah. yeah they show me their dead projects and I'm like oh wow okay yeah it's really a process for you yeah. you know but you keep going and you keep getting up and in terms of connecting your worth to it yeah definitely with YouTube but that's slightly different because you're getting so much feedback from people who can mm. just like you're putting it out for everyone to just look at it and people can just comment there's this culture of just commenting whatever on YouTube right so you can, but that's, that's, that's a more YouTube comment related problem. Right. I don't know. I feel like understanding the creative journey and the artistic journey will kind of steer you away from associating your worth with it so much. Mm-hmm. Like we need to bring it to an NI concluding statement. <laughs> <laughs> I will leave those to you. Uh, I will just fall on another tangent if I'm allowed to. So. Uh- Okay, what are the most surprising places or situations where you've been especially creative? Ah. You, I love this. You mentioned the you mentioned living in that farm town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good living one. in the middle of nowhere. That was mm-hmm. definitely uh, quite a good time for me, creatively speaking. Or just like strong negative emotions are usually good for my creativity as well. Like mm. strong anger or strong sadness. Those usually bring yeah, out that'll something. Do it. Happiness is not the key to creativity. I'm just throwing that out I'm there. So I'm with you. Oh my I goodness. don't think happiness creates creativity, Literally. sadly. <laughs> oh, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be like you the feeling of like just falling in love with a new someone. Like mm. you could argue that's happiness, mm. but that will that's that will spawn creativity. That's an or when you've had a situation. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, topic for our next podcast. <laughs> Or like you've just had a really amazing moment in a friendship or in a family mm. relationship that can inspire, oh, yeah. but that's not not happiness. That's it is yeah. happiness. That's part of it, but like connection, right? Yeah, it's different. Or joy. I mean, that's like a more extreme thing. I mean, happiness is contentedness, mm. and if you're content, you're not overly enjoy overly joyed or overly underjoyed. Yeah, kind of like a midpoint. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I find. I find when you're like happy, you are less likely to just dwell in those introspective, mm. self-reflective, self-conscious thoughts. And right. those self-conscious thoughts are what usually lead to that, like the existential crises that spur on creativity or um, those thoughts about yourself or brooding on life that make creativity happen. So when you're happy, you're just kind of like spending less time there. So you're spending more time right. on others. And therefore, yeah, it just makes sense. Um, a, a moment that surprised me recently with creativity was I posted on Instagram about this multiple times. I lost a project recently. It was actually the songs, the 16 yeah. songs. I oh, lost that's it. the one you lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you so didn't I, record audio or something. Or no, so the video itself broke. So I edited I edited the whole... You're like trying to guess. You're like... <laughs> I almost lost the audio, okay? Uh, so for some reason I recorded the audio like cuz one of my mics has malfunctioned anyway. Mm. Tangent, won't go into it. But uh I had to for, for whatever reason I had to record onto actual Final Cut Pro the direct audio that day from my microphone. And so it was recorded as a bunch of voiceovers and then I finished the footage, went onto Final Cut Pro. That was all fine. Edited like spent over 3 or 4 days editing that video cuz that video was so much work. Uh, yeah, it's a long video editing, too. cutting it down. Yeah, it was like mm. 50 minute, minutes. There was like titles on it. You know, there were things that I had like reshifted to make sure that they made sense. It got a corrupted file, which is like one of the rarest things that can happen on Final Cut Pro. And it happened to happen with with that after I'd put in so much effort. 
Anyway, longer the short of it is, I lost the entire project. That meant that I lost the audio that I had recorded onto Final Cut Pro. However, for whatever reason, divine providence, I'm calling it. After I filmed the video and recorded the audio, it was the first time that I'd done it straight into Final Cut Pro. So for some reason, I was inspired to export the project as just an audio file at the time. And so I had that exported project of the audio when the project crashed. So I took that as like a win. And so I was able to get the video footage and the audio from that exported video file, for exported audio file. So I was able to get it all back, but it just meant I had to start from the scratch up with the editing, which had already taken me days. And I was so uninspired. That whole morning, I was just leaving voice notes to all my friends ranting. Like I, my, my housemate made the mistake of asking, how are you? this morning and I just burst into tears this was like the first time I'd cried in so long it felt good it felt good to cry like when you have that much emotion you just need to let it out and there's someone as the safe space you can let it Mm. out and there was like frustration there was disappointment in myself there was anger and within the space of an hour and this is a testament to FI and how fast it hits processes and updates within the space of an hour I'd like cried it out I'd like voice noted to people I'd gone for like this power run like I'd proper run out the feelings which is very SE Uh like for 10 whole minutes I'd went and got a coffee and I returned home an hour later completely afresh with creativity I felt more inspired than I had because I was inspired by this emotional roller coaster that I'd Mm. just gone on to create something new and then in that day I wrote filmed edited and posted an entire video which was the NE versus NI video that I created Mm. and it just flowed out of me and then I wrote a whole script for another video on the same day and it was just like wow just from being real with this emotion expressing it living it like losing this project and then I came back after that hour and I was like I don't even feel like it's a burden to recreate hey it might even be better this time you know yeah and then I got it out and it was fine but I was so surprised by how creative I felt after that but I guess it was just the roller coaster I went on, right. you know? You had some pent up emotion there after that experience. It sounds like you needed a. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was such a journey. Anyway, mm. but it was great. So we had a few overlapping que- questions about this idea. Can a person be creative without being artistic? And the difference between being creative and being artistic? What are your thoughts on that? I have many thoughts on this. Oh one. my gosh, you, right. you should see her face right now, guys. <laughs> so I'll just use my ISTJ coworker. As an example, uh, and I can use my ESTJ coworker as well. They, they're creative in a similar way. So, well, actually, I'll, I'll do my ESTJ just because that example, I think, is a little bit more obvious externally yep. to people who are being impacted by it. So we needed to have this workbook that was structured so that it fit certain requirements. And mm-hmm. he comes in, he's like, okay, we're going to need this, we're going to need this, we're going to need this, we're going to get this set up like this. And he's like moving the Excel like super fast. He's like getting it all set up. And then he's like, all right, you tell me what specifics do you need in here? I don't care what it is. I will make it happen. And you could just like come up with a string. It would have taken me days, if not weeks, to come up with the same thing that he wow. just did like instantaneously. And if Amazing. you sit here and tell me that is not creativity, uh, we'll smack your face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yes. That is creativity because it comes from the mastery of knowing what he's doing. And he's good at making systems and coming up with a strategy to address a specific need. And it's in his wheelhouse, which is Excel. It's what he, mm-hmm. you might say, excels at. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I knew a pun was coming just from your face. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Um, But that's just like one example of his 
flavor of creativity. And then I think of like, I think of a lot of ESFJs and ISFJs who are really into bullet journaling and really into like organizing their lives and they create it. And I mean, you could say it's artistic because like they're doing little doodles and stuff, but what they are making are these visually appeal, or even if you just go into like their handwriting and stuff, like they can do all these like really amazing things that I could never do like they take this curly script and make the most beautiful lettering and i'm Mm -hmm. like i don't have the patience for that but i appreciate that you have put in the hours to do that Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't call it exactly art because they're just like writing words Mm -hmm. or they're just like organizing their day they're just putting a couple doodles on a little like a little boxy thing to organize their lives but they're Mm -hmm. making like really really beautiful things or like really really for the TE side, useful things that are yep. gonna help a lot of people. And like that ESTJ coworker got a lot of energy off of like making a, a tool that we could use and get use out of, and he would have made that for us. And I had yeah. another ESTJ coworker who came up and she couldn't make it. She didn't have the creativity with the Excel, but she did have the creativity for the idea and for this thing that we need. Like she identified a need that we had and worked with people to create it. And like watching her explain this little baby of hers, she was full of life. She was full Aww. of excitement. She was like, okay, and then you do this, this, and this, and all you have to do is do this to get this outcome and like blah, blah, blah. And she was like, all for it yeah i and love that's that a form of creativity it's just like absolutely it's, just not... it's innovative it's yeah. problem solving yeah. it's thinking on the feet it's coming up with things bringing things into the world new new ways of doing things i love that mm-hmm. even like I, I think of one friend who's an intj who is really good at like essay writing like mm. analytical essay writing which you wouldn't nice. necessarily call art we know art is writing right but right like like writing as a form of art i mean but the way he strings together words to just so perfectly create like the meaning and it's bang on with what he's saying and it's like it feels beautiful to read i'm like Mm. that's creativity you know Mm -hmm. but you wouldn't look at an essay and be like that's art but you know that's debatable (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so for all of you who feel like you are told you're not creative because you don't do what's considered stereotypical art or whatever Mm. you are creative and allow yourself to be we are here for your creativity aren't we yeah we are. And I have one more example. I'm just going to throw this I'm out ready. as the last one. I have noticed a lot of like SE doms in particular, or just like high SE, really creative with hands-on things. So like cooking, woodwork, metalwork. My ex's dad or stepdad, he worked at a rocket ship company kind of thing. And they made like parts for rocket ships. And mm. his problem solving when the piece it, when it wasn't cutting the piece exactly as it should, because he's an ISTP, he's like, all right, we got these... Like, I'll program this perfectly so it'll cut it exactly as it needs to be. And if it's slightly off, you know, it ruins a whole batch. So, like, you have to get it. And he would just Uh. talk me through his process, his creative process of problem solving that. And it was just a beautiful thing to behold. I mean, I never would have come up with it. 100%. That's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I can confirm that I I tend to get really creative when I'm cooking. Because I like sticking to recipes (sighs) if it's high stakes. Like, if there's people coming over, I'll stick to a recipe because just to make sure because I've failed when I'm trying to be creative. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've created some monsters. Does creativity need originality? We've kind of just talked about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the definition of it. But yeah, how loose is your definition of originality is the real question. 
with the person yeah. who asked that question because clearly yeah, you have some, maybe you have some high standards for what is considered <laughs> original i know my boyfriend he's an intj nothing's original to him everything's cliche mm. everything he can see how it relates to something else he's like that's just the same as that like he can he he will like what's the word what's the distill? word yeah distill everything down to like the most basic ni pattern everything's oh. the same to him everything oh Interesting. So to him, most things are not original. And for him to consider it original, it has to be like, it has to pass all these standards. But like oh. for me, an original idea is taking something that's already been done and doing it in a new way. Oh, and having yeah. A, yeah, that's originality. To, to, to me. me, even when someone has a feeling and they express yeah. it in words, that's original. Yeah. Like, exactly. like my ENTJ housemate, when she like gets in touch with that FI and she expresses it, I'm like, that's, that's original. So I love that. <laughs> So I have an like, ENTJ yes. coworker. It's so cute. She's like, I, I don't, it. I don't have any connection to my emotions. <laughs> mm. oh. Yeah, it's funny. She's I like... love FI. FI inferior is one of my favorite inferiors. It's. So I great. don't know if that's true. I've just said a claim. I don't know if that's true, but it <laughs> is about that. verifiably the truth. You can't question it. That <laughs> she has no right to change her mind on that statement whatsoever. It is yeah. locked. Mm-hmm. It is set in stone. There is no changing that opinion. The TIs of the audience are like, ha ha, but seriously, <laughs> be accurate. Okay, um, I'm just going to skim these last ones. Do you feel more creative with complete freedom or do rules and problems to solve stimulate you? Yes, rules and restrictions are probably one of the greatest things for my creativity because once you rein it in and I have some kind of starting point, I can like, I can press those boundaries as much as possible. But when it's mm. completely free then the only restraint is my own personal feelings, which means my feelings flip-flop all the time, which means I'm never going to come to a conclusion. Yeah. So I'm just never going to make any, or I'm just going to go with my whim and make and start all these different projects and never really like uh-huh. fully complete them. But having like some kind of structure, like the only reason yeah. I ever wrote a full draft of a novel is because I got a plot structure. I wouldn't have written the first draft of my novel if I didn't look up and follow a strict plot outline mm. now i've changed it since then and hasn't like stuck with the same plot outline but having some kind of like plot structure that i'm sticking to the third book i ever wrote i made like maybe 16 bullet points of like major plot points that would happen i stuck to mm-hmm. that i wrote it in two weeks oh, amazing i wrote like 60 something thousand words yeah in two That's weeks all- oh my goodness yeah what yeah. Well, I wasn't working, so it helped. Still, <laughs> still. I, I got, I, I had the structure. I knew what I was going for. And I just, 60,000 words. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Good on you. That's something to be proud of in my eyes. I mean, every yeah. project is, but like that is incredible. As someone who I, yeah, 16,000 words took me two months though they were strict well that 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 that, that was essay writing essay essay takes a lot more effort (laughs) than fiction yeah for (laughs) at least for for me (laughs) yeah no that's awesome no thanks for sharing that that's uh that's inspiring yeah no i'm I'm totally with you the the having the having the structure and the parameters like even i mean we both know that as peas it's great to have a deadline of some description yeah. (laughs) yeah deadlines are great uh, for me, the reason I've only been able to do what I can do on YouTube is because I have the algorithm pushing me. And mm-hmm. that is a deadline in of itself with enough freedom so that I can kind of be like, oh, I can be a bit loose. Like I, maybe I can miss this week or release one this week, two next week or whatever. 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of freedom, but then you've also got I've also there's also the parameters of like, you know, family friendly content and Myers Briggs and exactly the kind of message you want to put out there. So I think if I had complete creativity, free free creative freedom, which I did before I started doing the Myers Briggs YouTube channel, because I wasn't doing there was no one who was benefiting or watching or listening to my art really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would kind of just be lost. It was too much mm-hmm. freedom. No yeah. deadlines, just didn't happen. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm going to just throw in one little analogy before you read Go the next it. question. So in Neon Genesis, the anime in which I referenced earlier, in mm-hmm. the final episode, um, this guy finally gets what he wants, which is no disconnect and complete connection fully with other people. So there is no distinction between me and another person. Zero distinction. Wow. So you and I are now the same person. He ends up just in a white space. And they're like, okay. And he's like, well, now I feel like kind of like lost. And you're like, yeah, you have nothing to compare yourself to. So they draw a line and that adds a landscape. So now there's above the line and below the line. And now we have distinction. And then his body appears and he's able to stand on that line. And now he has a sense of direction front and back that he can now go to. And then Mm -hmm. like, it just like keeps adding and adding all these distinctions. It's like, if you have... I mean, I would relate having complete freedom to being in that white space. Yeah. Oh, for there, sure. I mean, there's nothing. No to, direction. No yeah. distinction. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. You guys should watch that scene if you if you're interested. Yeah. I'm suddenly it doesn't really even matter if you've seen the anime. You can watch that scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll link it below. Yeah. Thoughts slash comments on creativity gone wrong. Interesting. <laughs> Okay. I mean, when I feel you like use it to bully people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That. But then do we want to censor? Should art be censored? Oh, this is a whole other topic. Uh, I was going to use the example of you, you know, being creative with your food and ending up with something. Okay. Uh, so I actually I... have an example when Tim and I were trying to be like creative with our. So we were trying to make chicken Alfredo. Okay. Yeah. We didn't have any milk and we were we were trying to make it like kind of like um <laughs> like lactose free so we were yep. trying to make it with almond milk but we didn't have any yeah so we get this beautiful idea to use cornstarch and um chicken stock to make it kind of <gasps> like <laughs> you already know i already know we thought it was like I such a genius <laughs> Okay, so um, we we cook all that and everything's in there before we put the spinach. Everything's actually looking good because it just kind of looks like a little bit like a gravy. It's just kind of like a gravy. Um, Then we put in the Parmesan cheese and no, no, no. First, we put in the the, um, the spinach. So we cook in the spinach into that mixture. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's looking great. It's tasting great. (laughs) Is it? Okay. Then we throw in the Parmesan cheese. And if I tell you that was the worst mistake we ever made in our entire life, Kristen's face oh, right now is exactly it. what it was. I mean, all the spinach clumped together oh. with all the cornstarch and oh the cheese. No. So it's just oh like no, stop. I can't. <laughs> clumps of spinach all like oh. gooey and Ooh, gooey spinach is the one. <laughs> gooey cold spinach is one of the worst. Oh. 
Oh, gross. Sorry. It, I mean, suffice to say, we didn't finish it. We didn't eat it. It was a wasted amount of money, and, and it was sad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. did not succeed in our yeah. creative endeavor. But, you know, you learn lessons, and, you know, it's kind of fulfilling in itself to kind of experiment mm. in the moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have two resources for anyone who wants to see creativity gone wrong. Deviant art and Wattpad. Interesting. Do with that information how you may. Deviant art. I remember that from the day. I haven't oh, yeah. on in a long time. That's where people would, would post drawings of their um, fantasies and such. Oh, rip. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And then Wattpad is just the written version of that. I mean... It's just people writing about their fantasies. Okay. All right. Goodness. Must be responsible <laughs> with your art. <laughs> this is where I would believe in censures. No, just kidding. <laughs> no. Goodness. Do you think creativity is something that people are born with or is it a skill that's learned? I think that everyone's born with the desire to create. I think that's mm. a human thing. Mm. And I agree. how much you are able to is kind of dependent on your circumstances. Mm. And there are people who can suppress their desire. Like I could imagine a TE Dom being more likely to suppress their desire to be creative than an FI Dom. Like an FI Dom, I can't see them suppressing their need to be creative without hitting the worst depression of their entire life. Whereas Mm. with an ENTJ or an ESTJ, I could see them putting off their creative desires for the outcome that they're li- or for like you know work or whatever like I could see them putting it aside more mm. easily yeah but I don't think that necessarily they are any less creative <laughs> yeah agreed so once again to all you SJs who may have been told you're not creative you are mm-hmm. we believe in you my FI need to like validate <laughs> anyway. that's it because the other one's like how can you be creative when you're depressed which we already touched on or did you want to add more yeah just watch neon genesis evangelion and just remind yourself the guy wrote it in the greatest depression of his entire life there we go love that love that it's pure inspiration and then the last question was is it possible to be better at being creative and how can you improve it and i i love what you said about nurturing the skill anyway the Mm self-mastery the self-discipline go out you know entertain your wherever you get energy go out do that Mm -hmm. get inspired we can all be inspired we've all been inspired Mm -hmm. any more thoughts on that Believe in yourself. Absolutely. Love that. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But believe that you can believe in yourself. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> believe that you have the capacity to believe in yourself. It's a step-by-step process. If you're going to mm-hmm. manifest a better life for yourself, you got to start at a level that you can believe. And if you can't believe in yourself being successful, you can believe that one day you can believe that you're successful. Yeah. And there are, you know, there are communities. Go on, go online, find people going through the same sort of stuff that you are. Find the communities on Reddit or YouTube or whatever it is that can understand you and listen to content like this. That'll inspire you. Yeah. Subscribe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you subscribe to podcasts? I don't know how it works. Uh, Yeah. Follow this podcast, guys. Okay. Follow. Or give it a like or a rating. The order in which we're doing this is just all (laughs) over the place. Okay, so now that we've talked for the timestamp is currently one hour and 40 minutes uh, on creativity in general, we've, we've, we've sort of sprinkled in some type stuff there, but I'd like to get to some more type specific questions. There are only five, so let's see how much we can get through. This is to do with creativity and type 
specifically. The first question I thought would be good to talk about is, do you think the creative process differs between N-E-S-I and S-E-N-I, which is the difference between Michelle and I, Michelle being an ENFP and I'm an ESFP. So your number one function is N-E and I've got S-E. We've kind of touched on it, but did you I have any like, thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just like, well, you said to that you got the most creative surge after you exploded all your emotion and burned it out through running and I'm just like what because <laughs> I think for me it comes from routine and steadiness and having like that repeated coming back to it and sticking yeah. to it. yeah I mean I do I do have the same need to te and like tick the boxes at the beginning of the day mm. but it literally always looks different from me every day looks different there's no routine it's kind of just going on the surges of I think I'm only ever inspired by physically doing something wow. granted okay there's exceptions like as I said the heartbreak when you go through a breakup that's like a perpetual thing that's there the FI just doesn't quit when that happens mm. um yeah but yeah on the day-to-day -day, if I'm getting inspired I need to be up doing something physically and there's nothing more inspiring to me than like taking a good walk and having the sun shining on my face and mm. uh dancing like dancing is a huge way that I get out my creativity but then it becomes hard because like the amount of random sporadic dances that I've just done and come up with <laughs> and they're not on record or filmed or anything they're just expression in the moment mm. and they're creative in their own ways but yeah then it's then hard when you do that kind of thing and then the creativity is expressed so you don't put it down in writing or anything mm. um yeah but yeah we have touched on it quite a bit in the podcast yeah yeah, yeah the rituals work for me you know getting in the zone, having like the same way that I get into writing every time. Yeah. And just kind of sticking to that sort of ritual mm -hmm. keeps me more creative. And feel free to leave us. Actually, there's no comments for podcasts. What am I talking uh, about? Leave us all your comments <laughs> on her Instagram post. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to make a post. Leave your comments on the post that I will have left on Instagram. Your thoughts. Do you relate as an ESFP, ENFP person in general? Let us know. Okay. Now, the next questions we got were all along the same sort of vibe, which were, are certain types more creative than others? Do specific types surprise you when, when they express excellent creativity, creative ability? How does the creativity of T's differ from the creativity of F's? Mm. What kills creativity in each type slash function? Oh, I that's mean, a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of, I guess I'll just leave that out there for your thoughts, Michelle. Well, we've already said quite a few times, creativity is really, it's all types can do it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think that there's some interest between TI and FI in creativity versus yeah. like F, E, and T, E in your creativity. Mm -hmm. I do think that that can impact the areas in which you're creative, creative or um, just like where you find your creative energy. Because obviously like for us, F, I is a huge driver of our creativity. Okay, but what about all the FJs out there and the IPs or the TPs? Mm -hmm. Where's mm -hmm. their F, I coming into the picture? Well, it's not. Look at an I and TP. They are creative with whatever thing that they are obsessed with. They are going to understand it completely. They are more they're some of the most likely to become like inventors and it's because mm. like they obsess over these topics and then they that obsession in and of itself comes out with the outcome of these other things like Einstein just spent hours and hours and hours and hours thinking about these things about the universe and that through all that thinking and through all that time and all the like 
extrapolating all these different tangents, he comes up with E equals MC squared. Like that, like broke people when he came out with that. Like it just like yeah. broke people. It changed people's understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a form of creativity, but it's not artwork. He's not mm-hmm. Da Vinci. He's not like making all these like beautiful drawings or whatever. Like that's just not the way that he's but though people can debate about these people's types about people who are dead it's hard to like say you just have to kind of go based off stereotypes for people Mm -hmm. who are no longer alive um but like even you were saying like as a as an se dom like whether or not this is related to your type but you get energy from like the acting and the doing and all that kind of stuff it just you we this could be like a whole topic in and of itself it's like each individual type and how they tap into creativity but i can mm. guarantee you for a fact there are writers of every single of the 16 personality types there are artists who draw and paint of all the 16 personality types and it's for just sure. going to express in different ways uh, me and jeffrey from auto alchemy kind of explored this a little bit he had people of different types on his pod uh, on his channel talking about um their writing process their writing style like he had an ISTP on and that was one of the most fascinating things. I got to read some of what she wrote. Very creative, very weird, very like oh, I love that. Dreamlike in the way it was like a very like speculative fiction, which you mm. would just think speculative fiction can't be an ISTP. Like you would just like those are those feel like contradictory ideas. Interesting. Or ISTP, but yeah. She's definitely an ISTP. <laughs> wow. But her work was very, um, very uh, not what I was expecting. Yeah. It was very grounded in like details. Like there were a lot of details of like the physicality of things. So mm-hmm. like that came out more than say I would. I would, I barely touch on the physical. Like I barely talk about the details of what people look like, yeah. what the cities look like that. I'm all mm-hmm. about the conversation and what people are thinking. I don't talk about what they look like. Yeah. But she would describe in like such a visceral way that you could not mistake the visuals of what she was trying Mm -hmm. to describe Mm -hmm. we're all going to get a very similar visual Mm -hmm. because she was able to do that really effectively yeah for sure that's interesting i've just thought of a difference between se and ne creativity i have an istp friend who's an artist and he his artwork is very detailed like Mm. to the last detail Mm. and we were chatting about creativity and, and i and i think we realized together that with se we kind of need to have some kind of reference point of something we've experienced in the world mm-hmm. first in the sense data in order to create it i mean my my stuff is an example like i was saying i um well the the youtube videos that i create are largely based on interactions that i've witnessed in the flesh yeah or people I, 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 had know. A, I had a vibe that that might be the case <laughs> yeah no for real. sure <laughs> yeah and um i mean some of it because of the so many of the patterns that i've built with that inferior ni when it comes to Myers-Briggs and relationships because I've been observing relationships my entire life and I've I've really thought about them for years and years and and been nuancing my understanding of them but it's based on experience that I've come up with these patterns that I'm able to sort of present them in a kind of accurate way or a way that others can relate to really easily but if you were to ask me to create art art based on something I have never experienced or have no rest reference points for, Mm. I wouldn't be able to do it and my ICTP friend was saying the same thing so I think that's probably... um, probably an se like unless uh there'd be exceptions like if you're an art se artist and you've no i was gonna say like if you've done enough of the same kind of art that you could come up with it on the spot but then again you're still using that reference point of you having done it before so 
Yeah, that would be a huge one because you say yours is so imaginative. Mine, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Because ours is no less imaginative. It's an interesting distinction that I wouldn't Mine want to misrepresent. Mine comes from a lot. It comes from a lot of thinking. Right. I feel like having a reference point definitely helps, but it could also be distracting because you might try to reference it too much and then it's not unique interesting one thing I've... i try very hard not to do is make any of my characters like somebody i know which wow. is a cliche that writers write about people they know that is something i actively avoid i write characters they are not people they are not anyone that you know they are their That's own so selves and i yeah. create their whole lives for them i know mm. pretty much all the details of their lives We've just found a huge difference, I think, because I'm basing everything. I guess it's that NI. Like, I consider it better. Like, if the poetry that I wrote when I was, after I went through my breakup, like, mm-hmm. the, to me, it was better if it was hit, if it hit on the exact nuance of the exact experience with ah. that person. Like, that was more accurate art to me. And it wasn't about, mm. it was only, it was unique because it was based on my own personal unique relationship right. with this person, but it was based on a very real sense data point. And to me, to me, I could like, I could create a character, which I do often. I create a lot of characters on my channel, but yeah. they, they, they are, they do take inspiration from people in my life, but they are no less their own character. So that's so mm. interesting, that different in perce- difference in yeah. Perceiving function, uh, perceiving axis. I want them all to be themselves. And actually, one of my stories, fun story, that book that I wrote like 60,000 words in like two weeks, one of the main characters from that book uh, was not planned. She just showed up in the opening scene. She was sitting there looking at her nails, being like completely aloof. And then she became a main character. Huh. She and just she- walks, waltz herself right on into the story and was like, this is me. I'm, I need to be in this story. Yeah. And you would say that she's not based on someone you know? No, not any... at all. I mean, she's like an ISTP, um, mm. I'm pretty sure. But no, she's not based on any... None of my characters are... I mean, well, I would say, like, in a sense, all of my characters are different perspectives from within me. They're all, like, different wow. sides of myself. Wow! <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's most, the most N-E-F, I think. <laughs> oh my They're goodness. all aspects. I mean, the yeah. antagonist started out as like, I got really depressed one day and wrote this whole thing. I was like, what would be the best way to wipe out humanity so that we could have a fresh slate without being ethically wrong? So I was mm. like trying to solve killing off most of humanity without it being unethical. Oh goodness. <laughs> wow. Goodness. So the solution I came up with was a, a mass plague because that there's nothing personal to, I mean, now that I'm older, I realize that there are economics in play in that and there still mm-hmm. would be, you know, some major ethical issues with that mm-hmm. as to who survived. But in my mind at the time, it was like the perfect plan. Um, and I had this whole thing of like how I would rebuild the world if I had full control. And that ended up being my antagonist point of view. Wow. And then my main character was the exact polar opposite of how can we get the world to a better place without hurting anybody, without okay. anyone having to die. And, and they're see those. contrasting each other, the whole story. They're yeah. like fighting each other because they have completely different points of view, but they end up like working together. And you would say those are different 
yeah, those are like different perspectives within me. They're like my own contradictory feelings about the world and about the state of it and like how to solve the issues that I find it be. Like they're what I personally believe to be the issues. Wow. And these characters are like representing those conflicting points of view within me. Goodness. That's so deep. Well, yeah, that's a huge difference. We're touching on real good differences here between Essie and Annie because I, when, when I write any conversation that happens, even the more nuanced ones, it's literally I'm so detached from those characters. I don't see myself mm. in them whatsoever, ironically, even though they're played by me. It's just, <laughs> it is literally different versions of me. <laughs> like literally, physically. Literally. Because it's, like, cause it's me acting 100%. them. Yeah. That when I'm writing, there's no part of me that's in them. But then you would argue, you can, can you ever detach yourself from the art you're right. creating, which is a whole other thing, right? But like when I'm creating it, I'm not seeing it that way at all. And I'm right. completely fine with that so would you find that your your favorite characters that you've ever created are the ones that are the most unique in that you're not using reference points from your own relationships actually for the most part yes one of my favorite characters her name is krish um she is this estp badass but she's Mm. just amazing she's not Mm. like anyone i know she's Mm. a terrible person but for some reason she's like my favorite character don't you find that you're even inadvertently like basing her, like creating her based on what you've seen of those badass characters in movies? Oh, yeah. Or- oh, oh, yeah. Okay. There's definitely like an element of that um, yeah. in her own way. Like she's just, you know, she's just out here to live her SE experience, you know? Uh, she doesn't love, wanna, that. love that. She doesn't want other people restricting she her. She better watch it. Her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It has consequences. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the guy who's using her is an ENTJ, so like, oh, rip. he's gonna direct her and yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. He takes advantage of everyone. He's a terrible person. He's also one of my favorite characters, but he is most certainly the worst side of me. Yeah, right. Okay. He represents all the wow. worst things within me. <laughs> Gosh, I feel like I now understand the the nfp artistic journey a little bit better Mm. i've always considered art to be communication that's all Mm. it is is it's all just a form of communication we're just trying to convey something that is you know otherwise unable to be conveyed so like whether it is through word choice or visual medium or audible medium or whatever we're trying to convey something so in, in a sense, any communication is also a form of creative outlet. Wow. I really understand why you could get stifled, not stifled, that's the wrong word, like weighed down or, or frozen in that if I need to like create something that's so unique and presenting the exact same message, but your characters have to be unique, but like you have to accurately represent all these parts of yourself. Like there's just so much yeah. going on. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah wow that's why it's still not released <laughs> yeah gosh interesting so interesting so i just keep writing more stories mm. or rewriting the stories to perfect them and to like accomplish all those goals yeah at what point do you think it'll ever get to a point where you kind of have to be like this isn't perfect and that's fine i can still release it or what does perfect what does good enough look like to you that is why I started working on the one I'm working on now, because it's like a prequel to the main story, the one that like is super philosophical. This one's like not so much philosophical so much as it's like a thriller. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm just trying to make it like so it doesn't have plot holes and so that the 
mystery is engaging. And if I can do that, then I will let it come out, even if it's not perfect, because I, I just want to like let people into the world, teach them mm-hmm. a little bit about the technology and set up the stage so that when I get to my main book, the one that I actually really care about, I can focus on the more philosophical angle of it all. Wow. Okay. I'm excited for you. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) Gosh, when I just compare it to how I create art, it's just so day to day, like present focused. Right. I don't have any kind of long visions for anything. Like I have vague ones. Like some, sometimes my FI will be like, I'd like to get to this point where I can convey this message, Mm. but it's not. Like that could change, you know, and I'm not super married to it. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm really glad yeah. we kind of got to that at the end of the podcast because yeah. like <laughs> that was that was an important distinction there that we made between SE and, and NE. But we have hit the two hour time Woo-hoo. now. Woohoo! We made it. <laughs> who, who knew? Everyone knew. Let's be real. Everyone um, knew. <laughs> um, this was such a important and thrilling exciting conversation thank you for joining me thank you for having me (laughs) yeah we had such a good time and i have like a i have to film and like write write today and then i have tutoring later and i feel like i'm just gonna rock up like i feel like i'm in a creative mood now after we've had yes so i feel like i'm gonna and rock up to my class tonight and i'm gonna be buzzing and the kids are gonna be like oh she's fun today (laughs) it's great you know (laughs) um yeah so thanks for being open to chatting thanks for this conversation i definitely like to have love to have you on again at some point to discuss one of the many different tangents that we almost went on yeah i feel like we could talk about a lot of things (laughs) oh yeah for sure um but thanks for coming on and once again could you let everyone know where they can find you yeah so uh on instagram my username is heart of michi and then my youtube is psychology and chill with michi it used to be heart of michi i'm i'm sure if you search it you'd find it under that because i left the tags there but that's my stuff Okay, Michi. I realize I pronounced your name wrong at the beginning of the what podcast. What did you say? I said Michi. Oh, like Michelle. Well, yeah, no. A lot of um, a lot of people call me Michi or Michi, but it's it's from my anime days. That's why I pronounce uh, it Michi. Because I see. I went into a generator and I took my name Michelle, and was like, "What would that be in Japanese?" <laughs> cool. And it's Michi, which means the way. <laughs> oh, nice. Well. You heard it here, guys. Uh, you can be anticipating Michelle's book that may be released in the next... <laughs> I'm giving you a deadline. A year. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's a good deadline. I would like it to be sooner than a year, but yeah, okay. I think that's a good deadline. Well, we'll de- check in deadline. in a year. If it's not released, okay. then you will have failed. <laughs> oh, and um, I hope that we've been able to inspire some of you guys um, in your creative journey in this in this episode. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, just, you know, look at your definition of creativity and ask yourself, are you restraining yourself with your definition? Love it. Beautiful. Good note to end on. We did bring it to an NI gold nugget. Yes. Love it. How <laughs> good. All right, guys. Thanks for joining. Bye.